since there's no bumper video not working, I'll just talk as I'm walking up. How does that sound? Hey, guys. <laughs> just imagine a really cool video. I like your hair. Just imagine a really cool video that Justin made going dun, 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 Star Wars themed. It's coming out, lasers and stuff, and bam. Poosh. Hey, everybody. How we doing? Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. If you're not in boot camp, I haven't seen you in a few weeks, I guess. But, um, man, I'm glad to be back. I'll be teaching here, I, I don't know, Keats, was it three weeks in the next six weeks or something? I don't know. But anyway, um, y'all know I always love being here. You're my favorite. Don't tell anyone, okay? So if you tell the college students that, they'll just lie, okay? Just lie. Tell them they're my favorite. Tell them I said they're my favorite, but then I'll lie to them. You see what I'm saying? Just lie. What? Noah? Are you giving me lip? <laughs> Just kidding, Noah. It's Noah Cobble, I know. Um, man, actually, Noah, I'm glad you did that because I'm, I have a dilemma, and I was actually going to ask everybody. So, so you, I've known you a long time, right, Noah? What did you call me when you were little? Remember? No, Noah Cobble, we were playing hide-and-go-seek or whatever in the old mill, in the mill. Remember? Wasn't it you or your sister? Where's Katie? Where's the smart Cobble? Noah, you call, anyway, we had this game, and he labeled me for a long time. I thought it was you. It had to be you, Mr., remember? So we were playing, listen, this has nothing to do with the sermon at all. We were playing, what was the game? It's like hide-and-go-seek, but not hide-and-go-seek. Like, I don't remember, and I was playing with the cobbles, and I was looking, what? I don't know. Like, I was looking for them. I guess it's called hide-and-go-seek. So I was looking for them, and, uh... I think my wife was hiding with Noah or something like that, and I called her cell phone, and I listened to it ring, and I found him, and Noah was very upset. That wasn't you? Oh, my gosh. Noah, this is actually, you are the smartest cobble. This is the problem. You're ten times smarter than me. Um, anyway, so, Noah, I have this, uh, since you were, you know, giving me lip, whatever, I kinda, I've had a long night. I'm, I'm being serious about this because I have, uh, so I decided I was going to start this morning by asking you for some parenting advice. Um, I, I really, my middle son is uh, three years old, and he is hilarious, and he's crazy, and he's going to be in the ER 17 times before he's five, um, but he's, he's so funny, but he's like really sweet, and, but I don't know what to do, so I really need some advice this morning, some parenting advice, if you could, you could help me out. There's a million uh, examples I could give you about him, but the, the overall general problem uh, his name's Jordan, we call him JJ, we call him JT, we call him Jojo. He has like five names, he has no idea what his real name is. And so uh, we, we have, so he's a really sweet, sweet kid, but um, man, it's just like, uh, I'll explain it this way. He's, I try, as a dad, like, I don't know if your parents are like this, but as a dad, I want to reason with this three-year-old and be like, look, bro, I, if you do this right here, I have to. Bring judgment to your little world. Like, I have no choice. Because if I don't, then I'm not a good dad, and you're walking all, and it's just bad. So don't, if you do this, like, I mean, here's the worst punishment my, my little guy could get. I'll take away the basketball to your plastic basketball goal. Yeah, he freaks out. I mean, you know, it's like, He's like, just spank me all day. Don't take my basketball. So, or like time out. So it's like, don't do this. But I'm telling him, dude, if you'll just do this. Dude, that's all I want you to do. Like, just, just eat 
one more piece of chocolate cake. Like, I'll give you the whole thing. It's so good. So the other day, it's like, it's like something like this. It's like Jordan, he loves, to, he loves sports, and he's, I don't care what they do, but he loves sports. And he has a little, I should have brought it. It's like a little yellow plastic uh, bat that goes with, like, the little red and blue tee. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you still got one. Yeah, yeah. so he's red and blue tee. So he whacks that thing, whacks that thing, and it's everywhere. So he has this bat, and we have a cat. We have a cat that weighs about 72 pounds, and so I've told you about my cat named Peaches. You know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. So I hear, I, I hear Jordan going, wee, and I see him running down the hall chasing my cat who can't do anything but really waddle and roll, and he's chasing my cat going, wee, and I said, Jay, and he goes, huh? I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to hit Peachy. <laughs> I said, no, 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 you're not, don't hit Peachy, but no, she's a bit, I'm going to hit Peachy, wah, wee. And he's chasing the cat. I'm like, Jordan, listen, listen, come here, come here, stop, stop, stop. Jordan, stop. I said, Jordan, if you hit our cat with a baseball bat, I'm going to have to take away your baseball bat and put you in timeout. If you choose to not hit the cat with a baseball bat, I'll go outside and we'll play baseball. We'll do whatever you want, dude. Don't hit the cat with a baseball bat. And he goes, okay, Dad. Five seconds later, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> I'm like, Jordan, give me the bat. My cat's black and blue. You know, not really. He just hit her like five times. But he doesn't have that good of a swing. So I'm like, Jordan, dude, stop. Give me the bat. Come here. No, give me the bat. Sit in timeout. And I'm, I'm stern, you know. Y'all ever seen stern me? Some of y'all have. <laughs> have you? It says, Noah, give me the bat. And inside I'm like, <laughs> Give me, give me the bat. And give me the bat. I said, sit down. Jordan, you're in timeout. Well, I don't want to st stand up again. I'm going to stick the cat on you. Sit down. You know? And, he's, and then all of a sudden, Jordan turns to me in pure anger. What did I do? I saved my cat's life. I gave you 500 opportunities to do the right thing. When you beat my cat, I had to do something. Or, I, I mean, what if y'all came over and you see my three-year-old running around beating my cat? What are you thinking of me? You'd be like, that's a good dad. Woo-hoo. Right? So, I mean, there's my parenting advice. What do I do? What do I do? Noah, what do I do? Oh, so just so I let him go beat a cat. Go beat. Hey, you got a cat? Do you got a cat? My kids are going to come beat your cat. All right? Yeah. And then now what? See, it doesn't work. I can't do that. What do I do? You have four cats? So you have like some of it expendable? Just let them get beaten? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no. Okay. Well, see, like, are you like me? Like, you don't know what to do. You have a 20-pound cat? My cat's fatter than your cat, I bet. But listen, listen, listen. That's my problem. Like, I just need advice. I mean, it's a real problem. If you came over, if your parents came over, my three-year-old's beating the cat. So, but if I tell him to, and I tell him, like, look, come here. He hadn't even done it yet. But I know you're going to beat that cat. But if you don't do it, you have all the joys in the world. If you do it, I've got to bring some judgment on your little three-year-old self. Because if I don't, my son is going to come over to your house, he's going to beat your cat, and then he's going to be at my house, and you can come over and see it. And, and not only that, it's just not right. And I'd be a terrible dad. You would put me in jail. Matter of fact, 
well, never mind, bad joke in my brain about animals. But anyway, uh, I love animals. Don't, don't beat your cat. I'm not really, I, lo- I really do love my cat. She loves me more than any human ever. So um, this is a real problem. So this is my question to you, but you have no really good advice. Alan, Alan, Noah says, what'd you say? That's a kid being a kid. Let him, let him beat the cat. You said, I got four cats. You know, I can lose one or two. So this is, this is not good advice. And I, and I sell the cat or the kid. (laughs) You know what? You know what? I'm going to ask, you know what? I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to ask somebody else for advice. Y'all have the worst parenting advice I've ever heard. I've ever heard. Um, But my problem is, listen, my problem is this. Listen, here's my other problem. Why does my son get mad at me? Have you ever done that with your parents? Like, they told you to do something or you can't do something, and if you do, this is what happens, and then you do it and you're mad at them because you got, like, punishment because it happened? What? Noah would say, that's just being kids, right? So... And that's fine, but I want to show you something today that actually there's a story in the book of Genesis that is this exact same parenting dilemma. And it's this exact same thing. It's this idea of judgment. Jordan, I'm taking away the bat, and you're going in timeout. That's a big time punishment. Or grace. Jordan, if you just hit, don't hit the cat and hit the ball, we can have all the joys of playing baseball in the yard. We can do all this. We can do whatever you want, bro. Me and you. Daddy, son, whatever you want. So there's this dilemma uh, that I have as a parent that God, it's not a dilemma with God, but there's this, this thing that God does with us. It's similar. And there's this story that you've heard a million times that I want to show you something that maybe you haven't considered in this story before. And we're in the book of Genesis, and we're walking through what we call the planks, and we'll, we'll review them real quick. Chunk them up there for me. Who's up? Who's, who's going to yell it back there? I can't. Whichever one. There's like 10 of you running slides. I'll just say Ryan because he's not really back there. Ryan, put him up. Nope. Go backwards. Go way backwards. Like to the big. Yeah. Um, so uh, Keith just showed you this is kind of what we call the planks. That's just kind of the building blocks of our faith, of the world, of reality, of everything. Specifically the book of Genesis, the beginning. So the beginning, our plank number one is creation, humans. We got evil, uh, redemption. Last week, civilization. This week, I'm number six, judgment. Uh, What major story falls in those chapters? Anybody know? Noah and the flood. There he is. Uh, Patriarchs, these are the fathers of our faith. We'll get to them later. Um, Is my next slide ready? What's my next one? I forget what it is. I don't make time. Oh, there it is. Big boat. There it is. You guessed it. Um, Yeah, so it's Noah and the flood. So when you think of Noah and the flood, you think of two by two. They went into the boat. Yay. And they floated for a while. And the waters went away. And they're boat rests on the mountain, and here they come, and there's a dove, and there's a raven, and they go out, and they come back, and woo we're done, right? That's what I think. So I'm going to ask you a question. There's something about this story that's greater than just animals, and like, we're dinosaurs on the boat, and how big was it? That's cool, but listen, there's, there's something about this story that, that is really close to my issue with my kid, and... I'll sum it up in this. At the end of their time on the boat, uh, two birds go out. You remember this? Anybody? What are they? Dove and a raven. Now, one of them comes back. Which one comes back? I know it's a couple times. The dove comes back. And how, what does the dove come back with? A cat. No, what? What did he come back with? A branch. 
right? And the other one, the raven, did it come back? Did the raven come back? Why didn't the raven come back? It wasn't dead. It found a new home. But guess what? What do ravens eat? Dead meat. Yeah. Raven doesn't need to come back. Because judgment has fallen on the earth. And there is a judgment that God brought that brought death to everyone except Noah and his family. The raven didn't come back because there's no need. There's a, there's a, I mean, I don't mean to be gross or funny, but there's a buffet for this raven. There's, there's absolute judgment. Now that is divine judgment. So there are a few people that are in this ark that have received grace. The story of Noah and the flood is not a story about animals, though, they're, though it's really cool. It's a story about judgment. It's a story about grace. Because God's judgment always includes God's grace. My grace to Jordan is just don't hit the calf. We can have all the joy you want. The judgment is, if you hit the calf, I'm forced to bring judgment to you, little Jordan. Because if I don't, am I a good daddy? If, if I let my son beat living things with baseball bats for the rest of his life, am I a good daddy? If any of you, if any of you have kids someday, they're like, well, I don't know. Or, no, if you have a little sibling that's like three years old and it happens to be a girl, and I let Jordan beat living things with baseball bats his whole life, you going to hope your little sister dates my son? No, you're not. If I don't do something, I'm not a good dad. I've got to teach my son these things, and I've got to show him grace, and I've got to show him that because, and God's the same way. If God doesn't, think about this for a minute. If you ever think, man, why does God like, you know, he's so, like, there's so much judgment and stuff. If God doesn't bring that, if he doesn't bring the righteous judgment of God, if he doesn't hold what's right, he's no good God at all. Even if he's a God in terms of power or something, he's a corrupt God at that point. He must be just and what we would call the justifier, meaning that he must be a good judge, he must be a righteous judge, but he also must make a way that he can still be righteous and set people free who are guilty. And so here in the book of, of Genesis and Noah, we see judgment, and we see this same kind of story, that there are, there are some who choose to enter into the grace of the ark, and there are many, many, many who are judged because of their wickedness. So in Genesis chapter 6, I'll kind of tell you the story, and, and I want to I show you this, how this might appeal to you a little bit. Um, in Genesis chapter 6 is kind of where we would pick up. You won't have these verses up here right now. There's too many. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, so, so it's also called the, um, the Noahic covenant. It's a Noahic promise. We're going to see a promise come in a little bit. There's going to be four things you're going to see. You're going to see the judgment of God. Don't forget these. If you're right, or write these down. You're going to see the judgment of God. That's what I'll show you first. Then after that, you're going to see uh, the grace of God. You're going to see God's recreation of his people. And then lastly, you're going to see a sign that will be forever seen. So that's, that's the four things you're going to see in this story. And so you know the story in, in chapter 6 is where it starts. Uh, these generations of Noah, verse 9, chapter 6. Noah was a righteous man, blameless. Noah walked with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. So he had to do something. You can't beat the calf. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. Everybody had a bath. 
Everybody beat cats. Feel what I'm saying? So this is judgment. This is where we are. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh because he's a good, righteous, loving daddy. And he says, I will not let this go on. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them on the earth. I will bring judgment. I will bring judgment. And he says to them, or, or, so he says there, there is judgment coming. But after verse 13, uh, see how good you are as, as theologians. What comes after verse 13? Verse 14, brilliant, brilliant. So God just tells them, look, it is bad, 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 bad. And I am a righteous God, and I'm going to bring judgment on verse 13. So then he says immediately following in 14, he offers grace. Because God's judgment always comes with God's grace. And he comes and he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. He says, judgment is coming. The wages of sin is death. Judgment's coming. But there's a free gift to you, Noah. You've got to build a wooden vessel that will in and of itself be the grace of God to offer you salvation. That if you rest beneath the wooden vessel of God, that though destruction would be all around it, and it itself might be even destroyed, you would be saved. You would be saved from the judgment of God if you would trust in this thing called a boat, in this thing called a flood. Floods were not seen. Trust me and rest in this thing. So this is what he's telling him. You go make an ark. It's coming. Judgment's coming. What's the first thing Noah's got to do if he wants to go build an ark? Anybody want to take a guess? Get wood. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. That's why I, I tricked you. What's the first thing Noah's got to do if he's going to build the ark? Trick question. Huh? Trick question. What's the first thing he's got to do? Yell it. If I told you, if I told you, hey, listen, go build a car, a special kind of car that has no wheels on it. Matter of fact, you can make this car out of plastic, mud, and spit. And I want you to go do it, and here's what it looks like, and here's what it's going to take you 572 days to do this, but I need you to start right now. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to have faith or trust in me as I said, go build this car, it'll be awesome. The first thing Noah has to do is trust God. Because God's asking him to do something bizarre. He's not building this boat in a, in a what do you call it, a dock slip. He's building it like in his backyard. Hey, Billy, come on, you, got, you want to come help? No, you're a fool, you're weird. Yeah, I know, but God told me, whatever. He's building this, it's not a boat. It's not even a boat, it's like a floating box. They don't look like that picture. It's like a big box. <laughs> Noah's crazy. He's got to trust God and obey God. The first thing we've got to do if we want to understand God's judgment is we have to believe him. Believe him that he's a, just, he's a just God and a just judge. And this is what the first thing he's got to do here because God said, hey, it's coming. Go build a boat. So you, it, now, does, do, could it, is it possible that the whole area of Noah's people knew that Noah was building a boat. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. So there's people that know. Do they have, in theory, is it possible they could have said, hey, could I get on the boat? Yeah. 
Why didn't they? Sorry, he's dumb, maybe? The Hey, if there's no flood coming, like, what's raining or whatever? If there's no flood coming, why do I need to waste my life building a boat? If there's no flood coming, why do, why do I need to get in? They don't see a need until it's too late. Oftentimes, man, oh gosh, there are a few hundred thousand high school, middle school students just like me when I was, before I was 17. Man, the God thing sounded okay. I wasn't opposed to it, but there wasn't a great need either. Life was good for me. I didn't need much help. It was okay. Nothing catastrophic. The God thing I'll check out later in life. It's kind of the same mentality that I never started building that boat until I was 17 because I just didn't see a need for it. I didn't really believe that there was sin and death out there that really affected me. And so here's the grace offered to him. Go build you a boat. He builds a boat. What happens? They get the animals and this. I'm skipping the whole boat part, by the way. They get in there. They go out. The floods come, right? You know the story. You've learned it since you were in third grade. And so here they go. And they're out in the boat. In chapter 9, verse 7, he says this. Tell me if you recognize this kind of language. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said it in verse 1, 2. Noah said to his sons, be fruitful and multiply. You heard that before? God said to who? Adam and Eve. This is a recreation, not recreation. It's a recreation. It's a recreation that God wipes the world because the wage of sin is death. And he now recreates through Adam or through Noah what he did in Adam. It, it's yes, it's a new world and it's different. And it's not like the garden again, but this is in a, in a sense a recreation because the wages of sin is death, and this is the judgment he brings. But the free gift of God is eternal life through through Jesus. In this, yep, yeah, in this case, the ark. For the wages of sin is a flood, but the free gift of God is just get on the ark. But you've got to trust him in order to do it. It's not hard to walk up the ramp and get on this ark. What's hard is to trust God that this is really needed. It's not hard to place your faith in Jesus. It's hard to think he's really needed. It's hard to think you really need him. Because how dare God say you're a sinner that none are righteous, no, not one. Your throat is an open grave. How dare God say that I am disgustingly, inadequately fallen as a human. How dare God say that I would need him, right? Some of us think that. Some of us think, like, what do I need him for? Life is good. So this is the same kind of idea. We're no different than Noah in the flood. The ark, no different than the cross. The wooden vessel by which God would say, trust in this, and this will bring you eternal life. This will bring you life. This will save you from sin, and this will save you from death. Now, uh, in Noah's case, it doesn't, the ark itself doesn't save him from sin, but we know that Noah had faith in God. How do we know it? Because he what? And he, and then after he built it, he he got in the boat. We know that Noah had faith in God and his word because he got in the boat. He got in the boat. And then um, if you keep reading after verse 7 of chapter 9, it was every living creature. Here we go. Birds came in. Yeah, there we go. Verse 11, I established my covenant with you. I promise you, says God, that never again shall flesh be cut off by waters of flood. 
Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God says, I promise you, I will not destroy the earth by water again. And so this is then when we get the, this kind of famous part that we know of, and this is a really cool part. And I, it starts in verse 12. God said, the, so the last part's the sign. So we've seen his judgment, his grace, his recreation, which is his grace also. And then the sign of his grace and his redemptive act, his recreating act. In verse 12, God said, there's a sign of a covenant I will make between you and me and every living creature. I've set my bow in the cloud. Now, here's what's really cool. What's he talking about? A rainbow. Um, hey, go back. We're, go back. Go back to the rain. Go to that rainbow picture, wherever it is. Oh, I took that when I was on vacation. No, I didn't. But I wish I did. Yeah, there's this rainbow. So he said, I put my bow in the cloud, a sign of the covenant between me and earth. When I bring clouds, you will see this rainbow or this bow. I will remember my covenant between me and you. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant. And Noah said, verse 17, this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and the flesh. So God said, after the flood, there's this rainbow. So when you and I see a rainbow, uh, anybody remember the double rainbow video craze like 10 years ago? Anybody? Are you serious? We got to show you this video. Anyway, um, like you see a rainbow. What do you do when you see a rainbow? You go, ah, look, look at it. I can see. You get so excited. I can see both sides. Double rainbow. You get so excited. It's pretty. We draw it. We do that. But I wish I had a picture of this. But if you were today, if this covenant was made today, God might say something like, Noah, I'm hanging my AR-15 in the clouds for you to see. God doesn't say, I'm putting this beautiful spectacle into the clouds so that you'll notice how beautiful it is. He goes, I'm putting my weapon away. This is his bow. This is his, as in a bow and arrow. He says, I'm taking my weapon and I'm hanging it in the clouds so that every time you see it, you'll remember my judgment and my mercy. And you'll remember, Noah, that you had the faith to step into the wooden vessel that would offer you salvation. And thus, the wrath of God through his weapon would be hung in the clouds and he would put it away. And say, my wrath will not be for you, Noah and your family, who got into the boat. Because I told you the way of salvation was through this wooden vessel. And so this is what he says to him, and this is the sign that he, that he remembers. I often, I had somebody told me, tell me one time, I've never heard the covenants used in a, in a wedding ceremony. It's one thing I do in every wedding ceremony. Because I always wondered as, as an officiating pastor, like, how do you do the ring? Like, what is it? I was Googling, like, what's the ring? And, it's an, and these are great. Like, if you have been, if you're 13 and you've been married, that's cool. Um, but like some people like it's, ne did you say ooh? That's funny. <laughs> some people say like it's never ending and that's fine. I have a great friend. It's never ending. Or some people it's a similar. And man, I'm like, dude, every time I look at my ring, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my wedding day. You know what it reminds me of in my wedding day? It reminds me of the vows I made. And you know what the vows remind me of? They remind me that I really haven't kept them all that well, but I sure need to because I love her. And I think in a way the signs of a rainbow is the same thing. It's like staring at your wedding ring. And then you remember God's mercy that he hung his bow in the clouds because he saved Noah through faith. 
Sometimes I just need a reminder that, oh, yeah, I said I would consider her as greater than myself, but I really haven't done that this week. Sometimes I need a reminder that God's wrath is not meant for me, those of us who have rested in a wooden vessel that we don't call the ark, but we call the cross. You see, sometimes you just need to look at a rainbow differently. It's not an act of beauty, even though it is beautiful. Like, I mean, just art is what I mean. It's an act of wrath and mercy. It's a weapon. Hangs it, hang your AK-57 in the, in the clouds. And that's what he does. Because judgment. This is, now, if that was Noah, these are ours. Now you can go, yeah, tell my next ones. Um, judgment. God said and says and will always say the wages of sin is death. Adam and Eve, you could have gone to that tree of life, but not anymore because you ate from the koji tree. Matter of fact, hey, angel that defends God's glory, go guard that tree. Don't let them near it. The tree of life is off limits because the wage of sin is death. That's judgment. Uh, catch up to me a little bit back there. The wage of sin is that's Romans 6.23, the first part. So the wage of sin is death. God says, I'm about to judge. Um, I'm about to judge through the water. I'm paralleling these. Don't, don't lose me. I'm about to judge with water. The wage of sin is death. In the very next verse, he says, go build yourself an ark full of gopher wood. Because the wage of sin is death. But the grace and the mercy of God is what? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's like the very, it's, not, it's the same verse. Because God always offers Mercy with his judgment, but his judgment is always swift. It, well, I'm glad it's not swift on us right now because some of us wouldn't make it to be with Jesus if God ultimately judged you right now because you think you can put it off, but we'll talk about that later. So he says, this is my judgment and my grace, and there's a recreation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This is a good one for you guys to memorize too. Therefore, if anyone is, y'all heard this before? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You are a new creature. You have a new nature. You were a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. Sin defines you. Christ defines you. There is a newness in you. If you are Jesus's, then you are changed. You're a new creation. Just like when they walked out of that ark, they're a new creation. And there's a sign. Our sign would be this. Our sign would be a cross. Go to 1 Corinthians one there. Let's read that together. The word of the cross is folly to some. That ark is silly, man. A flood psh, to those who are perishing. Bet they were wishing they got on that ark, right? But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The ark looks foolish. The cross looks foolish. There's a symbol of a bow we hang in the cloud. There's a symbol of a, of a um, torture device that you wear on your neck. And it's great, you can wear that, but that torture device is not a symbol of, of beauty as far as it's beautiful, I get it, but art and whatever, and oh, I got a gold one or whatever. It's a symbol of a torture device that our Lord hung on because our God has to judge sin and the love of God in his grace and his mercy makes a way for us to be with him even so. I have to take the bat away from Jordan can't let him do that or I'm a bad dad but I can offer Jordan just just come over here with me trust me come outside with the tee and the ball and we'll, we'll, we'll play baseball all day long it'll go further than the cat anyway it'll be a lot more fun 
Because you've got to know a few things. That God's judgment is coming. Like it's a fact. I don't mean it's coming in the future. I mean it has come, it will come. It's coming. Like it's a deal. It's a thing. God's judgment. And it needs to because if it doesn't, then he's no righteous God at all. He can't let sin go. Then he's a corrupt, immoral. And, and what if the sin was against you? Then you hate him. I mean, it just, it just can't work. God's judgment is coming, but for us as believers, it fully, listen to me, if you just maybe remotely think you believe in Jesus, if you have trusted in Christ, God hung his bow in the clouds, the wrath against you on the day in Calvary when Jesus bled and died for you, that judgment was fully poured out on Jesus, on the cross, and God just says, get in the boat, because sin and death are real. And judgment is coming. But he said, I have judged your punishment on the son, Jesus Christ. But you've got to get in the boat. And you've got to trust in this thing. Because he's also judged by death. Death is a real thing. Death is an absolute real thing. And it's not the end of all mankind. It's the end of us as in our flesh, but what we will live on in eternity. It is our end, in a sense, of fleshly, but that is not all there is, that death is coming. It's a real thing. And then finally, he's, he's told us the end of the story. The judgment of all the earth and all of sin and all of death will be judged in the end time, the book of Revelation. And you've heard of this. If you haven't, uh, trust me, we win. And when I say we win, God wins because we don't win unless God wins because he's the only way that we have right standing, righteousness with the Father is through the Son. He's made that way because ju God's judgment has already come. That it's the real thing and it's come in many ways. But here's the deal. For some of you, God's judgment has, so God's judgment has come. It's either come on the cross and Jesus takes his judgment or it's come to you. Because you don't have the cross. You didn't walk into the boat. You haven't stepped up there yet. So his judgment still lies on you. But you say, no, I don't feel it. Yes, you do. Because you know what? One of the ultimate ways God judges us is if we reject his son, reject his ways. He says, okay. Have fun. Go enjoy the world. Go see what it will have to offer. For he will turn us over to the desires of our flesh and say, go see it. That's some of God's ultimate judgment is when he lets you go. Because like the prodigal son, he says, when you come back, I'll be waiting for you. Though he never leaves you, this is an illustration. I'm not saying he loses sight of you. But finally, grace is offered freely. Uh, there's an acronym you can use that grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. So I get all the riches of the Father and the Son, Jesus, pays all the price. All I got to do is trust in him. But I can't just look at the boat and say, yeah, that looks like a cool boat. I believe that's a boat. You see, people could walk by and say, I believe that's a boat. But unless they got on, you may say, I believe there's a God. Great. So do the demons. Congratulations you've got to get on. Um, so the question is not, which do you want to choose? The question is not like, hey, if you knew a flood was coming because we do and the judgment's coming, would you rather die in the flood? Be eaten by a raven? Or would you rather be on the boat? You're like, be, be on the boat. Nobody would say dies raven. If you do, there's other issues. Or you're trying to be funny, it's not. So which would you choose? That's not the question. The question is what prevents us from getting on the boat? What prevents us from trusting in Jesus? I think there are a million things, but here's one. I was, I was, um, I was hanging out with a friend the other day, and uh, he's a younger guy, and 
He's like, man, sin, the things I do, they just seem better. They just seem more fun. That could be one reason you're not getting on the boat. Sin seems more fun. But you've bought the lie. And the lie is just speaking to you, and you think it's going to just be better to be in living in a sin. You don't want to give all that stuff. Or in that case, you might just not understand who God is. My answer to him, fine, don't worry about quitting all the sin. Just focusing on finding Jesus in the cross. Let him figure that out. I think he's big enough too. Also, I think if we say if we put it off, we get best of both worlds. So if we put it off and just do it later, then I want God. I want him later. But like when I'm married and settled down and stuff right now, I'm just going to have fun so we can have the best of both worlds. Well, let's just say that that you do live that long and that is okay and God doesn't return and all that because that's not the biggest thing. Because people say, well, what if you die before then? That's not even the biggest issue. What if right now God says, okay, great, have fun in the world. And then you live 20 years of absolute terror but you don't even realize it and you look up 20 years later and you go what have I done with my life and God said you rejected me I turned you over there or finally we just don't fear his judgment if we don't fear that God really is a loving God that will judge sin in its entirety uh, then or we don't realize that we are that sinner then we have no need to get on the boat we have no need to trust in Jesus so you see I don't know how to parent Jordan because if I do what I know I need to do he gets angry at me Because ultimately, he thinks he'll find more joy in whatever he's doing than in trusting his father. Ultimately, ultimately, you might see God as unfair or distant or unkind or get mad at him. Because you feel like you'll find more joy in the things the world has to offer than the things your father in heaven has to offer. More joy in that sport. More joy in that sin, whatever it is. More joy in your, your kind of false life, the one all your friends know you have, but you don't really. I don't know what it is. But you've got some decisions to make. Because God's judgment always comes with disgrace. But his judgment will always prove true. And it will always be right. Lest he be no good judge left. So, Father, we pray that you would find us faithful You would find us faithful to loving Jesus with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength because you would love us first. You would love us first when we all deserved and deserve death because of our fallen nature, because of our sin. Lord, because we uh, didn't, those of us that know you didn't desire you in the first place. You came and got us. Lord, and you would offer grace to Noah through a wooden vessel who would just hop on. Lord, there are many of us that have grace offered through this wooden torture device we call the cross. Many in here, Lord, I know they just haven't hopped on because the lies of the world or fear or whatever holds them back, I pray that today it's done. Lord, they would hop on. For those of us that have hopped on, I pray that we would remember you have hung your weapon, your bow, your wrath in the clouds. Even as we look at a rainbow when it rains, that we would remember the full wrath of God fell on the Son because we are holy and blameless and above reproach and fully loved by you because of your sacrifice, Jesus. So would you make this clear to us on both sides? And we'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.